and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. We're on vacation, but we're also in the office. Of course we are. My name is Daryl Grove, and joining me on not vacation is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess we just put out one episode this week just to uh, just to, just to keep the feed alive. Yeah. My wife, as I was packing up today, said, "I thought you were on vacation," and I said, "Ah, you know." That was enough. That was enough. <laughs> Plus, you get a chance to talk to Aaron West. That's true. You've got to take it. You do. Right? So today's show is mostly Taylor interviewing Aaron West of World Cup fame. Mm-hmm. Right? World sort Cup of. fame indeed. He didn't play, but he was on Fox during the Women's World Cup. You will have seen him. He certainly was. We talk about that. We talk about uh, where his fandom comes from, how he asks questions in his kind of one-on-one interviews, mm-hmm. lots of other stuff uh, involved in that interview. I really enjoyed it because you get to know him, but you get to know his perspective on the game. Yep. And then, you know, what it's like to cover a World Cup in person. All Not right. Bad. So there's that Tyler Rockwell, Aaron West interview uh, to come very soon, right? Mm-hmm. Right after this intro. But then... Tell and I will be back to talk Christian Pulisic. We have a listener question about Christian Pulisic. We will be answering that. All right, let's get to um, Aaron to get to that. All right, but first, I also want to let people know Soccer 101, our new show that we've been working on, is live. Mm-hmm. You can find it on so far. Stitcher and Spotify have got it out there. Um, in Apple Podcasts, it's not findable via search, but we will put a link in the show notes so you can <laughs> click on it. And find it that way. Apple really doesn't want us to get into the charts, do they? Tim Cook is against us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, probably it'll, it'll appear in the charts in the next couple of days. Right now, if you click the link, you can find it. There's 10 episodes ready to go. You've heard us talk about it before, right? There's a one, there's a show explaining offside, explaining Penenkas, explaining how the numbers work, like number six, number seven, all that. Um, I want to ask you, Taylor, what was your favorite episode? Of, uh, of probably, what the, recorded? probably the Pele episode. The Pele episode? Yeah, because like, cause to be like totally honest, like, some of those shows, like, uh, like I think the idea for 101 came about from being like, we've been asked that question so many times, but we always have yeah. to go back and find that episode. So let's do it once and for all. Here's yeah. the explainer that you can always find and it won't disappear in the TSS. Yeah, board. and so all those episodes have new stuff in there. There's new yeah. points and perspectives or updates or what have you. The, the Pele one was kind of like the, like the one that I was most excited to do heading into it because okay. it's more about like the player himself, but about the myth of the player and then yeah, what yeah. he accomplished and then kind of debunking some of that myth. There's, I, I kind of even forgot. <laughs> got the one about um, how like Brazil made the law that he was this like national treasure or whatever. It's like, yeah, that didn't really happen. Yeah, so was just those little moments right, I, yeah. I found uh, really, really interesting. Okay, I enjoyed the research for that one. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to maybe the next season of Soccer 1 and we could do something about like Johan Cruyff or Maradona or one of those other great soccer figures. But what would there be to say about Johan Cruyff or Maradona? <laughs> so few headlines for those two. We could fill a show. I think so. We could fill a show. Um, all right, so yeah, please go and uh, click the link. Uh, go and listen to Soccer 101. Please subscribe. Please share it with friends. Do it. In the meantime, there's still a whole episode of Total Soccer to listen to. Here is Taylor talking to Aaron West. Joining me on the other end of the line, I've got a man who's finally back uh, in in his home. No more France, no more West Coast. It's Aaron West. Aaron, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the Total Soccer Show today. I appreciate you guys having me, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a long time we've been meaning to. I think we spoke a little bit in Atlanta last All-Star game. Uh, we finally, now that we're taking a week off, we have time to do interviews. So we get to talk to you about many, many different things. You've had a lot going on. But I wanted to start in the obvious point. I wanted to start in, I believe, Eastern Turkey. Uh, can we talk about Trabzonspor's uh, kit, launch for, kit launch for a moment or two? Because I first saw that on your timeline, and I think it might be one of my favorite like kit launch videos I've ever seen. I don't. I never thought that a kit launch would make me come close to crying. I'm like, <laughs> like, 
Yeah, it was it was perfect, man. Like they I, they deserve all the plaudits they get. Like everything about it, the storyline. Like it was like two and a half minutes, and I, I watched know. the whole thing and didn't even think about checking the time. Like how long is this thing? It was great. I was. I mean, it's like, uh, like the the quick spoiler is like what the boys the boys' mom or maybe grandma uh, like sews him a jersey. And there was a moment when I was yeah, like, is that think, is, is wool sweat is wool jersey the best way to go? But it seems like it worked out. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it was it was sick. There was like the only moment I like for second question on the four, like third or fourth watch. I was like, he didn't like when he pulled the shirt out, <laughs> the, the great dingy t shirt that he put under that sack. Like. Didn't for a second think like this is bright and blue and like not what I put under there, but I'm not, I'm not going to question that. I'll I mean, let him may, go on that. Maybe he's just not that observant, but uh, but either way, it's an amazing uh, it's an amazing launch video. <laughs> it did make me wonder. Then did it make you hate the UVA jersey even more seeing that video? Nothing can make me hate <laughs> that jersey more. I don't think there's much that could really hate, make me hate that jersey more. It's real bad, and I hate it a lot. Yeah, so so you uh, for those who don't know, you are a Juve fan. Are they like are they like number one by far and away your favorite team? Yeah, I mean, very like Arsenal is very close. I mm-hmm. I picked up Juve when I was like twelve and a half, almost thirteen years old, uh, way back in eighty, like sorry, not eighty nine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aging myself. No, in like ninety eight, ninety nine, um, and then like Arsenal the year or a few months afterwards because like I was I'm an American so. I was like, I can support teams in two different leagues, yep. and they literally like almost never played each other. So I would say for sure I'm a diehard Juve supporter first and foremost, but I am for sure an Arsenal a gooner for life. And so stick with Juve, though. Like, Does the jersey temper the expectations and excitement for the season? Because you've got Matias Delete. It's been a strong offseason, to say the least, for Juventus. You've got Maurizio Sarri in there now. Does the jersey bum you out just a little bit? Does it take it from like 100% enthusiasm to 95%? Um, a few different things, just, yeah, the jersey is bad. I'm really, really excited to see Matej Delic. Um, I am excited to see Sadi the way he plays. Um, but yeah, that jersey, bro. I, like, I, there's no good shirt this year that I can be like, oh yeah, this is the Juve shirt that I like. There's like a, a white and red one. There's a, the black and white one that is nowhere near a regular UV shirt. And then the, I forgot what the third one is, but it also looks terrible. I think it might be camo-ish. I don't know, but it's bad. They're all bad. Why do you think they did that, though? Because you move away from, like, the iconic stripes. It's what we know, the black and white. It makes sense. Like, is it just branding, or do you think there's a point where, it's like, companies... for the U.S. market. It's really? Like, it's almost oh, it's for the U.S. market because most Americans associate those vertical black and white stripes with referees, so they're trying to really, really hit that... that us and like re- i mean that's that was a big part of the whole rebrand like reach out to the u.s and asian markets and like turn them in uva into a, a brand and not just a club and that's what they've done that's depressing really depressing wow <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be I, don't, I know i don't want to get blamed for this though i don't as an american i don't want to be the one who ruins an iconic jersey and gets the blame for that one i feel like we we always end up ruining I'm also an American, but it'd it, it be like that sometimes as, as the children say. <laughs> I suppose. Well, is there, one, is there one club or is there one, like, shirt that you – or, like, shirt sponsor that you think does a better job than most in terms of keeping their jerseys consistently, like, on point when it comes to, like, history of the club, but then also maybe, like, incorporates different design elements that you like? Uh, specifically, it's not even a shirt sponsor, but the way that I hate Inter Milan, but the way that Pirelli is <laughs> – integrated and their jerseys are always amazing which is why it hurts even more because their shirt 
are always fantastic. But yeah, the way Pirelli is like integrated with the the Inter shirts, mm-hmm. it just looks so good. It's one of those that you know it's a sponsor, but it just you associate yep. it with that jersey. Yeah, it's it's weird. I feel like we don't have as many of those, maybe because of like the money. But I, I think uh, uh, did you say you were in eighty nine? Uh, eighty. I was born in eighty six. Okay, yeah. So I'm I'm 84, and I feel like growing up, there's like certain ones that like 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 the sharp on the Manchester United jersey, and then like maybe Vodafone after that. But like I know it's still sponsorships, but maybe just because it's like the formative period, though, like it, that makes more sense to me. So whenever I see like Aon or something like that, it gets yeah, a bit more like, yeah, yeah, that, like that, that doesn't look that, quite the same. That O2 with the Arsenal jerseys back in the day was amazing. Yeah. So uh, let's just go back to a time when we liked jerseys and they didn't make a sack. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering. It's probably more just we we probably just think about a time when soccer seemed more pure. Yeah, that's and definitely it true. It wasn't just about the money. I do. I do like every now and then I remember how like in 1998 I was like, this is it. This is the pinnacle of like I don't see how jerseys can get any better. This is how they're gonna look forever and it's gonna look awesome. And I look at them now and it's like they're wearing like triple XL T-shirts with like. Sort of basketball short. It's not a great look. It's not a great look, is I guess what I'm saying. So To be fair, though, you weren't wrong. Like, that was, like, the pinnacle of jerseys. You think so? 98? 98 was one of – that was, like, one of the greatest era, years specifically and eras for jerseys. Like, the 98 Brazil jersey, the 98 France jersey, the Croatia jersey, the Netherlands jersey. Everybody was just putting – everybody had bangers. I appreciate that, especially because, like, I feel like – I'm slightly fashionable. I'm certainly not on your level when it comes to the level of fashion that you have. So if, you, yeah. if you're saying my, my idea of 98 was correct, then I, I'm, I'm more than pleased with that one. So thanks for that. I appreciate it. You were right. You were correct. <laughs> you can keep going with that one. Well, speaking of France, uh, you're back from there. You've been back for a couple of weeks. Um, but I'm wondering, like, I don't know, was that your first tournament covering? I mean, certainly in that fashion. But it, was that the first time that you kind of spent basically a month away from home covering one competition? Yes, it is. It was a brand new experience for me. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing experience. Uh, one of the times I had the time of my life out there. Um, it was incredible. Like I, it was for sure like the longest I've ever like covered one competition or done anything like that. Um, and it was amazing. Everything I could have hoped for and more. So like that that sounds amazing. Uh, your your work was great. You were always up for it. My question though is like for me. That also sounds kind of exhausting at the same time because I feel like you're, you're doing this stuff. Like a lot of the stuff was at the end of the day after the games have happened. Uh, like, is it difficult to keep going for a month? Were you able to kind of find that enthusiasm every single day? Is it like an adrenaline thing once the cameras are on, you're good to go? Oh man, I was tired literally every day. I'm still just now recovering. Like I've slept so much, and my <laughs> my sleep uh, hours and stuff have been so weird because basically our show was on. Scheduled every night at 11. Mm-hmm. That was the earliest it would be on, um, 11 Paris time, so which would be 5 Eastern time. So perfect time for Eastern, but like the end of our day. Uh, so the show would be on at 11 at the big, at, to start at the earliest. Sometimes it would be 11.30, sometimes 12, 12.30. Sometimes we push back even later every once in a while, um, depending on if, like, if TV went long and because our numbers would do better if TV, if we basically we were the, we were the hangout show after uh, after all the games and after the broadcast, like you come to hang out with us and talk about the games and not not as much of a stilted like short form TV atmosphere. Like you basically come sit with us, um, and it would be late, really late. So we'd be we'd get done at like one, two, three, uh, and I'm you can't go straight to sleep after something like that. Like my brain's all wired. So sometimes I wouldn't get to sleep till like three or four or five 
wake up at like one or two, um, start the day. Sometimes we start the day earlier and it, and it's, it was every day we did 26, 27 shows, something like that. I did 25 of them, 24 of them. Um, and it was a grind, man. It was like, again, like it was an amazing experience, but it was, it was a grind. It took like a physical toll. Um, and it was, it was hard, but it was so, so worth it. Uh, like, what was your thing that got, like, kept you moving through it? Was it like, are you a big coffee drinker? How was the coffee in France? Pho. It was pho. There was literally down the, right. the street from my hotel um, was this Vietnamese spot. And I'm like, I'm actually a big introvert. So like being out and around people every single day, especially with like mm-hmm. the en- energy expenditure of the show, I would just like be in a hole during the day unless we had to shoot a vlog or if I had to do a meeting or things like that. So I just like stay in my room most of the day. Uh, but it, I'm also like, pho is my favorite food. And it was like one of those things where I, I could kind of keep like a tie to home in my comfort and just go, I probably had pho at that spot 12 or 13 times in the like 30 something days that I was there. And is there one go-to order or do you kind of mix it up? Uh, oh, it's always chicken pho. It's always pho girl. Okay. All right. The one, the one that the one that all my, all my friends like like prefer, the one that I was kind of like raised on here in Richmond. It's a lot of like 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 weird different parts of cow that I'm not quite sure what to make of. Uh, I'm, so I'm not sure if I've gone chicken yet. I feel like it's either fish or beef at the place we go to. Yeah, yeah, probably like pho thai or pho duck beef. Like those are the beef ones or the mm-hmm. cow ones that I don't really mess with. I'm big like straight up like lean chicken pho with the broth and everything. Like right. that's that's my life. I, I like that we're sticking with like your sort of uh, like like personal choices as opposed to soccer. I promise we'll talk a little bit of soccer in a minute because I I, I did like one of the things that I was really you give into- me any alley to talk about pho, I will talk about pho. <laughs> that's that's your new podcast, right? That's what you're starting after the World Cup. It's just pho talk, the pho talk, the pho talk. That's, that's what's gonna happen. Uh, but like, so one of the things that I thought was was particularly interesting and maybe this was just me is that i feel like a lot of times when people uh like not move to tv because obviously you've been on tv before but like 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 kind of follow up a show like the halftime show or the post game show that fox was doing i feel like there's an inclination to like wear a suit to like like wear the kind of uniform of the person who's on tv and it seemed like you kind of went against that and i was wondering was that like a choice you made did they just say like kind of wear whatever you want to wear was was there wardrobe or how did you yeah, go they, about it basically they said to wear i could wear whatever i wanted to wear and mm-hmm. so that means i would never wear a suit unless i have to <laughs> um i right. just basically dressed as the way i dress every day um and it was great it worked out well they were happy with it <laughs> i mean I, I think that makes sense because like like as you said if you're an introvert i feel like being a little bit comfortable wearing whatever you want to wear as opposed to like wearing a stiff suit and like a starch shirt probably isn't going to help you feel all the more comfortable on camera which is probably what they're going for and instead you seem pretty confident you seem pretty comfortable you seem pretty relaxed around you know world-class players that i think people would uh die to meet in person do you still i i know that you're married uh to a professional athlete so you're you're used to it but like do you still get butterflies around certain players or is it sort of like oh yeah yeah i know megan not a big deal it's to be honest, I like I am an introvert, but I think uh, I will just quickly touch on that. I, people, I think, uh, define introversion as like being uneasy around mm-hmm. people, but it's really just where you get your energy from. It's I don't like when I'm great. I love being around people, and I I say it all the time on Twitter that I don't like people, but I just don't like large groups of people, and I. 
probably don't like most people, but uh, <laughs> no, I I love people. I really do love people. I'm I'm feel like I'm very good with people. I just at the end of the day, I want to go sit in a dark room by myself, and I don't want to just keep keep socializing. Mm-hmm. But it, I I've never had an issue. I've only probably can count on my one hand at times that I've been like palpably nervous to meet someone, and that was Gigi Buffon. Um, and it was when I met Mirlin Pjanic and Juan Cuadrado. And those, that honestly, outside of that, like I've known Megan Rapino for probably six, seven years now. Mm-hmm. She's my wife's teammate. Um, I have known Alex Morgan for same amount of time. Um, and just in general, even with players that I've never met, I, I have met, uh, have been fortunate to meet a number of, of quote unquote high profile people over my life and it's just it's that's that's kind of how i operate in general is like these athletes are humans like and if you talk to them like they're just humans which they are then you get a great conversation out of them i think that's that's kind of what i try to preach online is like people expect athletes to be uh aliens because they're really good at sports but it's literally not the case they just are really good and happen to work really hard at what they do and made it to a high level so yes, they're special people, but they're also just humans like the rest of us. So I never really go into any of, of these interviews like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to meet this person. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, I can't wait to hear what they have to say with the questions that I'm going to ask them and the conversation. I'm excited to hear the conversation we're going to have. That That's the cool thing about athletes is that most of them who have made it to a, a high level are pretty mentally special. So yes, they're like, they're humans, but they also have like really cool insight into often into like how we navigate this world because they've navigated in a pretty special way. So that's the cool thing that I get excited about. But how do you how do you approach those interviews? Because I, I feel like sometimes you get those like you can get those. Sometimes we've had the experience of getting an athlete who either has been told by like the press officer, yeah, you got to do this interview, or they've been told, you know, don't say this, don't say that. They get briefed on what they are and, and aren't allowed to say, and that can make it kind of difficult to get into. So like, how do you approach those types of interviews when you're talking to someone you haven't met before is it just sort of be yourself and hopefully they respond that little like five minutes before the cameras turn on Mm -hmm. that you get most of the time to like at least introduce yourself and like kick it with someone you're going to interview is so crucial i think um it's because you get to talk to them a little bit also i have an advantage going in like i look different i look like a regular athlete i look I look like their age, most of them. Uh, I'm of indeterminate age, kind of. <laughs> um, before, three or four months ago, I also had, like, cool dread. So I looked like a player. I look like someone who most of these athletes would be more comfortable around. Uh, I am good with athletes. I have been an athlete my whole life. I've been around athletes. I'm good with people. So that little five minutes, I, I usually get w- with a, a player or with someone before we the cameras turn on just to kind of let them know that I'm not a I'm not out to get them uh, I'm not going to ask them I'll like usually kind of brief them on some of the questions we're going to ask just or a general ju- direction and if there's like if there's going to be a tricky one I'll, I'll sometimes like toss it in I'll say hey I might ask you about this specifically just so they have it in their head that they're not going to be surprised oh this guy isn't out to like get a hit piece Mm-hmm. Uh, this person understands me. This person un- gets it, um, and especially like if we're out on a pitch or anywhere, like anywhere there's a ball around, I'll always just start juggling with them. Like it's the easiest way with any player, just start passing a ball, juggling around, and talking. 
to get them relaxed and into their element. Like it's honestly one of the the best things I ever did was just like kick a ball to someone that I, I, one of my first interviews was with uh, Tyler Adams. One of the first like things we did like that. And it was a shot challenge and we were supposed to be like shooting around and things like that. But like we had, while our camera crew was setting up, I just kicked the ball to him and started chatting. And we like, he's like a, I wouldn't say a good friend, but like I keep up with the kid. Like he's a good person. I talk to him regularly and it was, because mainly I, I wanted to just have a chat with him before we actually talked formally. But I, I feel like from you being like a, a D1 athlete, fairly competitive, I imagine like you could also get sucked into that competition as well. Is that why you don't maybe play FIFA with some of these guys and do interviews? Because I feel like that might be where you start kind of focusing on the game as opposed to uh, the interview. So we actually did like a whole uh, FIFA show at Copa 90. Um, and I, I actually... I love playing FIFA with the guys. They they get into it. It's like a, it's usually a good conversation with you're playing with someone because they'll they'll open up a little bit. They'll talk a little bit more trash. Uh, I I love doing that. Like it's it's always fun for me. All right. Is there is there one that you don't enjoy? Do you not enjoy like the sitting down at the table across from each other? Do you like the walking? Like do you enjoy the walk and talk ones? Or is it kind of any format you can find a way to make it work? I hate scrums. Like if it's. I love I, I'm pretty much fine with any sort of like one on one conversation, um, no matter unless it's like some uh, an arena or like a, a place where the athlete will be uncomfortable. I'm fine with just about anything in that we can walk, we can sit down, we can like be juggling, whatever that is. Um, I just hate like I hate the scrums, I, I, the media like you never mm-hmm. I mean, you can get stuff that's good out of players like if you're just like stopping and talking to a multiple reporters because you can ask a good question uh one of the coolest things i don't even remember the exact question i asked oh it was um it was a few it was last season um i'm not sure it was at dc united stadium i'm not even sure what the game was but uh i was asking i asked wayne rooney some sort of question about they had they were in a, a, a terrible run of form and I asked him about if if they he saw something in training uh, before that match that like made him feel that they were going to win the game, and he he like brightened up. He had answered like, and those are the cool moments when you ask a, an athlete a question in a bunch of like reporters, and they like they kind of like spark up, and they're like, "That's the question I wanted to answer." Mm-hmm. Um, so those those are cool, but I I really just I hate I hate group interviews. That makes sense. Do you like 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 going back to when you were first starting, or even now? Like, how are you with the press conference like Q and As? Because I always, I still get a little bit like, is this a dumb question? Are people going to look at me like I'm an idiot? Do, do you do do you do well in those? Yeah, because usually like I'll pick the one question that most people don't think of, uh-huh. or I just won't ask a question because everyone's asked the obvious yep. ones. Uh, so yeah, again, like that's why I hate them is because you get like that one or one chance to ask the one question, and it's like if you fluff it, you're like, damn it. um but usually i have been fortunate enough to like select a good question because i'm i hate dumb questions myself uh so i've been fortunate in that regard all right i'm I'm gonna try to keep that in mind and not ask you any more stupid questions uh but i will ask you this (laughs) so like like knowing knowing that you know like like some of these players some of the people you're talking to like on a personal level do you have the moments where you see them answering questions and they're sort of playing a character or they're not even playing a character but just like can you see that switch get flipped with some people where it's like oh they're in media mode now and they're sort of talking a little bit deeper or talking with a little bit more like confidence than they might otherwise Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and a lot of these guys, especially 
women and men are super media trained. Mm -hmm. So you can see when they're like putting on a professional answer. And you can, you like, you work in media, you know when they're giving like the, the professional answer. And like most people in the interviews know when they're getting the professional mm -hmm. answer. So it's like, you just kind of see like a little bit of disappointment on everyone's face. Like, oh man, like I understand you probably had to say that. Um, but we want like a Zatan, we want a, a Balotelli quote. Like we want something crazy from you. But most of these, they're, they're so well trained at this point. Like, and everyone's been under the spotlight for so long. And especially the young players have just grown up in the social media era. So most of them understand this. Uh, so yeah, you can, I can tell, like, and I think most people can tell when they're like putting on, when they're giving a genuine answer or when it's more like a, the canned answer. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I did want to ask you one more thing about the World Cup this past summer. Uh, you seem to be like like involved a little teeny bit in some of the celebrations. There's a great moment with you and uh, Jess McDonald. Uh, like, what was your sort of like role after like when the like the World Cup's handed out? Are you sort of celebrating and there as like a little bit of a fan, or are you kind of keeping your distance to remain like you know an objective part of the media? Oh, there's no objectivity at that point. I was way too invested. The, I mean, throughout the entire thing, like I've almost never been that nervous about anything in my entire life. It like I was so personally invested because I've known so many of the team, the players on the team for so long, and like I like was involved as a member of the media, as a friend. Like, and one of the coolest moments for me was like they did the celebration that I suggested. Uh, the at, like in a, it was the Chile match. Um, so like just after all that, like the celebration talk and the fact that they like did the celebration that mm -hmm. I suggested and then just having being so closely personally tied. And then with everything with the 45 comments uh, with everyone's just kind of piling on, I, I was, I was like, we have to win this world. It was just such a, it was such a big relief at the end. Like, I got to be in the tunnel and like hold the trophy and like I got to finally I got to see Crystal Dunn right after a couple other players like that was it was such a huge relief I like in such an emotional release I felt like I had actually played and I was like this is too much bro you were way too invested in this but that's how it felt <laughs> I mean I think that's fair uh what you just said there uh it, do you, do you go 45 is that what you, is that your uh, your way of referencing him Yeah I like I like that that's that's the best way I think I've heard so far. I like that. It's it's more it's more succinct without having to say anything. Um, yeah. Um, so then, like, you come back from France. You're home now. What what's you, you, next for you? Is it uh, is it mostly just playing FIFA until you get enough sleep? Uh, right now, I'm. I have an agent that I hired late last year. Then we've been working on some things. Uh, kind of got a couple things brewing, but right now, like, I wanted to. At, for this, like after the World Cup and the latter half of July, I just wanted to kind of like relax and let my brain unfurl and and uh, breathe. Uh, but I'm working on a few things, specifically, what's this today? The 23rd? I believe this Friday, maybe? Don't let me lie to you guys. But towards the end of this month, um, the first of an eight-part series I shot with NBC called uh, Premier League Crossroads. We'll release it's a digital series, basically like exploring eight moments in Premier League history where one big thing happened that affected the entire course of the title race, and then we kind of go down the road of what did this, what if this happened? So a couple examples I'll give you is like 
um, I forgot exactly what year it was, late the early 2000s, uh, when Spurs' entire team, like 10 of their first 10 players, got uh, food poisoning. Oh, yeah. Including, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Michael Carrick, a couple other guys, and they ended up not, fin- I mean, they were they were on par to, on course to finish above Arsenal. They did not. They lost the game the next day. Uh, didn't uh, break St. Tottenham's day. All that stuff. Uh, so we kind of explore what would have happened if they brought their own team chef and didn't get food poisoning. Um, and then, like, what if Stevie G didn't slip uh, on that ball? And what if Dembaba didn't score? Um, kind of go down that road. So it's a really, really cool series. So that'll be rolling out over the next couple weeks. Um, or a few weeks. I'm not sure how... I don't know what the rollout plan is. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, but expect that later in this month. And then I will probably let the world know what I'm doing next after that. <laughs> that that uh, works. Once I, once, once I figure it out, I'll let you guys know. All right, that works. I, don't want, I really don't want to take up too much, too much of your time. I've already gone too long. But I wanted, like, about that, uh, that like, documentary series, is it sort of looking at what did happen? But then, so it's like, is it like an, also like a what if thing of what could have happened? Yeah, it's like, this is what happened. Oh, this was the result. And then we're going to go back to that moment. We're going to flip it. Like, that's so CBG, cool. the ball does not slip under his foot. He collects it, sprays the ball around, they win the game. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, Carl Anka had one of those for Football Weekly where he like went in depth on how like if Chelsea hadn't won a certain game, then like Aiden Hazard doesn't end up signing there, and this doesn't end up happening. And it's it's crazy how those like little teeny moments of yeah, not bringing a chef or eating the wrong thing can like impact soccer for the next decade. It's so weird and kind of uh, anxiety inducing. So I'm going to leave it there and instead say thank you, <laughs> uh, Aaron, uh, very much for taking the time. I really really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. So that was Taylor Rockwell talking to Aaron West. It was. And this is Daryl Grove talking to Taylor Rockwell. You're back. (laughs) Daryl left the studio the entire time that was happening and then came back in as soon as we ended it. You made me wait outside. I did. In the corner. Outside the building, no less. And it's raining, yeah. I was just like, nah, I can't even have you around the door, just in case. (laughs) That's not really what happened. Just in case anyone was worried and was going to report Taylor to the authorities for treating his co-host poorly. (laughs) English abuse, yes. (laughs) English abuse. Um, We are here to talk about Christian Pulisic, but First, we are here to talk about the wonderful, good-looking people at SeatGeek. <laughs> Today's show is sponsored by SeatGeek. Did you know that almost half of all Major League Soccer fans are female, Daryl? I did because we've read this ad copy before. You knew? Yeah. How did you know? That's right. <laughs> uh, that's not just a fact. It's something we're celebrating. It's the summer of soccer, and as we support the women on the field in France, or supported, I think yes. we should add, uh, SeatGeek and Major League Soccer are teaming up to showcase the female fans at home who've made this sport all that it is. To learn more about the collaboration and to see the female fans of MLS showing their true colors, check out wefan.seatgeek.com. That is spelled W-E-F-A-N dot SeatGeek, S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K dot com. The link will be in the show notes, and I encourage you to click on it. There's a whole report that you can read. Uh, It's pretty insightful. Indeed. While we're checking out SeatGeek, you could also check out ticket prices uh, or or the availability of tickets to different events in your area or not. Maybe they're in someone else's area, but you're considering visiting there. That's what we're doing next week. Exactly. Because SeatGeek is um, the official ticketing partner of Major League Soccer. Mm -hmm. So you can go to SeatGeek and you can look at 
the All-Star Game and yep. try and get yourself some tickets to the All-Star Game, which is in Orlando. It's MLS All-Stars against Atletico Madrid. Atletico Madrid. Yes. Indeed. Uh, yes, and if you wanted to, say, maybe get those tickets but get them for $10 cheaper than you might <laughs> otherwise have to pay, uh, you could do so by getting uh, $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. Uh, just download the app and enter the promo code TSS today. That's TSS for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, and you might be able to see Jao Felix and Diego Costa in action. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I, I did not look at the Atletico uh, traveling squad. I believe it was announced yesterday. Yeah, so Costa's... Uh, the Cooligans mm-hmm. tweeted it out, actually, so I've got to look at it. Yeah, Jao Felix, the mm-hmm. €126 million Euro teenager that they've signed, um, is on there. Diego Costa's on there because he hasn't moved anywhere. If you want to see some elbows up close, you can watch Costa in action. Uh, so the usual midfielders, right, like Koke, uh, Saul, those guys are mm-hmm. on there. Thomas Lamar's on there. No Godin, no Jimenez. I think because they maybe played at the Copa America... So they're probably I think Diego Godin is gone. Oh, also that. I think I think was a free agent has maybe left for Inter Milan at this point. I oh, think he yeah, got I his forgot. goodbye game. I yes, forgot. Yeah. yes. Uh, it, but it, you're you can you're forgiven for that because Atleti have had you. such a weird summer because <laughs> for the signing of Jao Felix, you're like, oh man, they spent a lot of money until you realize that they sold Antoine Griezmann for what one thirty two something yes. like that, and then also Rodri, crazy, right? Rodri also crazy. to Man City before we forget for sixty plus million. Is so they made like two hundred right. million off of two players. That's right. why they're able to spend a little bit of money. So I was thinking, oh yeah, they spent one hundred twenty six million. Where mm-hmm. that all come from? That's where it all came from. That's where it all came from. We've got money to spare as well. Uh, yes, but I if could, you don't have money to spare and you want to save $10 <laughs> off the ticket, one more time, download the app and enter the code TSS today. That's TSS for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. I've got a question for you then, Taylor. We are gonna an- we're going to answer a listener Seat question. SeatGeek, a ticket for every fan. Oh, yes, Daryl, your question part. is... SeatGeek, a ticket for every <laughs> yes. fan. Can they really stand by that? I if don't like, know that. What if 500,000 people want to see the All-Star game? Uh, then they're going to find a way. <laughs> <laughs> They'll very quickly expand that stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today's listener question comes from James Chocker, uh, and James wants to know, it's a good question, what does success look like in Christian Pulisic's first season with Chelsea? Answer this from any angle you want, Taylor. All right. Uh, I You asked me this question uh, like an hour ago, and I haven't really thought about it too in-depth, yeah. but I would say... This is genuinely my answer. Success looks like whatever failure isn't. As in, as in, like, as in, I will take anything that isn't it being like him being on a list of is this flops. like yeah like top biggest, five flops of the season. Oh no, biggest yeah. transfer flops because yep. they paid 60, 70 million for him, right? Yes. There's a, because of that high price tag, yeah. he is sort of a target for that type of treatment. It's a couple different things. It's the, Ooh, it's you the, just scared me. See what I'm saying? It's it's the high price tag, yes. It's the fact that because of the embargo, he is what they're only signing. I think they oh, ended they up – him in January. And I think they Dortmund. ended up like making official, but that was already a thing. So it just feels like he's going to get that much more attention yeah. because he is not really but sort of being considered as the like Aiden Hazard replacement because Hazard has been allowed to go. I mean, even though they're very different mm-hmm. – actually, they're not that different players right yeah. they're sort of attacking creative midfielders who can play wide or central they're mm-hmm. kind of similar except yeah. Hazard's career is so far advanced mm-hmm. and literally they sold Hazard for money bought Pulisic for money like like large amounts of yeah. money so he kind of is unfair as it is he is the Hazard replacement or at least it's very easy for let's say a disingenuous tabloid to create that narrative that is the key thing right there that's yeah. literally what I was going to say you beat me to it is that like it's so easy for if he misses a penalty or has a bad game for that headline to be like this is what they thought they'd like like sell Hazard yeah. for or something like that and it gets shaped that way and it makes it really easy for him to become a failure from like a tabloid 
tabloid media perspective, yeah. which instantly becomes the way a lot of fans see it, and then it becomes the kind of narrative. I was just imagining the headlines. I'm, I'm not even joking when mm-hmm. I say this. It's very easy for something like The Sun or The Daily Mail. Actually, not Daily Mail because they're not that clever. The Sun to have a, a headline like, Poor Lissick. Like they spell oh. P-O-O-R. L-I-S-I-C. Uh, I'm not even saying that to be funny. I'm yeah. saying that is the type of thing mm-hmm. that they will do if he has a bad runner for Oh, I know. Yeah. I, and you're right. And that's hence the angry sign, the exact yes. sign. Yeah. Okay, but so that's what mm-hmm. success doesn't look like. <laughs> what does success look like? I'm happy to give my answer if you, if you uh, don't have a more specific one. Um, well, I have a slightly more specific one, which okay. is the, just that like it's weird to say that Chelsea could be the sort of like underdog story given what Chelsea have been the last like 15 years. Mm-hmm. But like there is that narrative. They're of, not expected to win the Premier League. They're not expected to yeah. win the Premier League. Uh, Frank Lampard has come in. He's replaced Sari. They couldn't sign players. They got rid of Hazard. They bring in this you know, youngster from America. Again, that's how na- newspaper narrative is. Yeah, yeah. And if Chelsea become an exciting team and are fun to watch or are challenging for top four, not even challenging for the title, but challenging for top four and playing consistent soccer, then I think he gets a lot of the attention in the same way that if they are very bad, Pulisic gets a lot of the attention. I think yeah. he gets some of the credit for that as well. I think a lot of it goes to Frank Lampard is how it will be spun if they're good. But Pulisic is in there and in that conversation. And I think that's like the flip side of the coin that I was just discussing. Okay, so yeah, part of like Chelsea mm. being sort of the darling team yeah. you know, in a weird way. That they in a weird way, right? It feels time. weird, but yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people have a lot of time for Frank Lampard. So mm-hmm. they have a lot of time for a team that he coaches. Yes. Frank Lampard's key to all this uh, because the way he played with Derby last season um, and the way that um, he has played in preseason he set Chelsea up in a 4-2-3-1 that means there are two base midfielders one of them is going to be N'Golo Kante being defensive midfielder again another midfielder alongside Kante the striker in preseason against Barcelona the other day it was Tammy Abraham it could be Olivier Giroud it's not going to be Higuain I think he's gone back so there'll be a striker and then there's three attacking midfield spots underneath Pulisic is competing for any of those three attacking midfield spots so Mm. against Barcelona, in that preseason friendly, um, it was Mason Mount, who's back from his loan, but his loan was at Derby, so Frank Lampard's a fan. Mm-hmm. He was the number 10. Uh, to the right was Pedro. To the left was Christian Pulisic. Yeah. The only big name missing from that was Willian, who was at Copa America, and so he's on vacation. That's a pretty big name, though. It's I a think. pretty big name. He's coming back. And then, what, there's hudson Adoy, who is injured, won't be back for a little while. So it's five people for three spots, and one of them is injured. That means Pulisic's going to play. Right, he might it not does. start the first weekend of right. the Premier League. It might be between him and Mount for that central spot if William and Pedro have seniority, right? Uh, but he's definitely not going to be short of minutes. So it will be about how Christian Pulisic performs. Yeah, this, uh, this isn't a Sergino Dest situation uh, where we're like, oh, I hope he plays. It's not like that at all, right? This is a he's going to play. How does he perform? Here's my question, though: When you spend the amount of money they spent on him, can he not be a starter? I, I mean, like you're right. I think mm. he won't be. I think we have to be like realistic about our expectations when it comes to his minutes. Yeah. But again, like if you spend that amount of money, I don't know if the narrative is very forgiving if you're not pushing for a starting spot if not starting out right right away that's interesting so yeah. I, th- I really I really think I've apparently been saying he did well against Barcelona so true. he's like play, hopefully yeah. playing himself into that definite starting 11 I've been saying this since this was even rumoured and like like I don't want to be right. I feel like this is a one of the most difficult situations he could have stepped into. Yeah, is where he, he found himself, and so there are a lot of landmines that could yeah. cause problems. But he's just going to dribble around him. That's see, there you go. <laughs> and that and and again, that's where what I think it is. It's not about 
does he score 10 goals or get 10 assists or replicate Hazard's yeah. numbers or whatever. I yeah, think it's, I've seen a lot of people doing that, by the way, setting yeah. benchmarks of like, okay, if he gets like 10 goals, 10 assists, we'll yeah. consider it a super successful season. Yeah. Maybe that's not the right way to think no, of it. No, I saw the one that today that was like uh, listing all the things that Gareth Bale did that other players did that it was like, he scored in a final and Cristiano Ronaldo didn't do that. And yeah. he has more Champions League goals than Zinedine Zidane. And he's like, you can do that to any degree. There's, I always go back to there's that YouTube video that intentionally tries to make Pele look like a bad player. Yes. <laughs> like It's difficult because you don't have as much footage, uh-huh. but like you can do that with stats. And you did so, a Dylan Skinner sketch yeah. that I can't name because it's a swear word. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, So like I avoid... Like the stats, those sort of hard numbers, not because like they're tough and you can be held accountable, but more so just because like it doesn't really matter to me as much as by the end of the season, do we see Christian Pulisic starting? Is he very much involved in that team or is he training with the reserves? I actually have a great answer to this. I think success looks like the Young Player of the Year award. Okay. 20 years old. He'll turn 21 in September. He'll be fully eligible for it. There's not a newcomer award, is there? That's no, we don't, we don't do right? like a rookie okay. newcomer yeah. type thing, but we, they do have a young mm-hmm. player of the year award. I think if Pulisic has those moments where he's just confident and runs at people, he'll end up with a lot of highlights that will get, mm-hmm. you know, match of the day in England where they do the 20 minute highlights mm-hmm. or whatever of condensed highlights of each game. He'll end up on a lot of highlight reels if he does a lot of running at people. Yeah. And I think he could become a sort of one of those players that people are excited to see. Because whatever you say about Christian Pulisic, he's a guy that whenever he gets the ball, he is looking to make something happen. He's not playing easy passes and passing on the responsibility to someone else. He is, I'm taking this guy on. I'm going to make, I'm going to, you know, yeah. excite the crowd. He's a player that excites crowds. So I really think there's a situation where he wins Young Player of the Year for that reason. I yeah. think it's within reach easily. I, I mean, I think not so easily, too. but it's, very possible. It's worth remembering. Do you know who the reigning Young Player of the Year is? Is it Raheem Sterling? It is Raheem Sterling, yeah. who had an incredible season and was up there for like potential Player of the Year. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got – that would be big shoes to fill. Uh-huh. He's going to have to do a lot of work to get that. Yeah. I say that only to say that it's not It's not quite the, like, homegrown player of the year or something yeah. that's a bit no, more, it's a, like – it's a big thing. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm assuming Sterling will have aged out of young player eligibility for, for next season. I, I, I don't know. That, I actually don't, I don't know. know the cutoff. I don't even know if there's, like, a date of birth where you have to be mm-hmm. under this yeah. to but be it, young player of the I year. I say that mostly just to say that if he did win that, it would be a very big deal. It yeah. would be It would be a sign that it was a, a an excellent season yeah. for him. That's what success looks like. Yeah, that's the yeah. people that he's potentially beating to that title. Yeah. yeah. And I do think, though, like, if you want to see it from the – more slightly like uh, rose-colored perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, Frank Lampard is coming in. I think he's going to want to like endear himself to that locker room in a way that Maurizio Sarri never did. So I think he's going to care a lot about if the players are happy and which players are happy. He's also coming in sort of it's it's a weird thing that like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had, which is like he's kind of got a blank check, but at the same time he also kind of has to do what's asked yeah, of him. Yeah. It's that weird twofer. And so with that. I feel like there's going to be a little bit of pressure on Lampard and a willingness on Lampard's part as well to play Christian Pulisic because they've spent that money. And I think Pulisic has shown himself a willing worker who will do what his coach asks. And I think all of those, you add them together, could be the recipes for a very successful season for Christian Pulisic. I hope so. I think it is worth not underestimating Christian Pulisic, right? This Mm -hmm. is a guy that I think maybe people are a little down on him in terms of how good they think he is because he was behind Jadon Sancho last year at Dortmund, but there were injuries. And then there was the fact they'd already sold him so they yeah, weren't that that's committed, a huge deal. committed to playing him but there was a time when he was a guaranteed starter and he was taken on Real Madrid and he was like, like this unstoppable force mm-hmm. that's who Christian Pulisic is like, it's not some guy who's going to struggle for minutes at Chelsea and I think as American soccer fans we're not quite used to having a player go to the Premier League and we actually expect them to be really good yeah. like, this isn't Josie Altador testing the waters uh, you know what I mean this is like a, a player who 
sort of did really well at the top end of the Bundesliga going to the Premier League. It's it's a step up, but it's not a gigantic step up and we can expect him to be out of his depth. I think he'll hit the ground running. I, he'll hit the ground dribbling. I think I disagree a little bit, to, okay. be, to be totally honest. I, which is to say that, like... I know exactly what you're talking about, and I agree with pretty much everything you're saying, except that like I don't have that level of confidence. It feels a little bit like Josie Altidore going to Sunderland in right. that it feels like it should work. It feels like it's a step in, in like an upward trajectory that makes sense given what they've done previously. Yeah. And it didn't work. And and that feeling is but sort Altidore of like— hadn't played in a comparable league like successfully for an extended period. Aside from the Premier League, <laughs> when he didn't do well with Hull City? Well, yeah, but not for many games. Right. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think my fear is is just that Pulisic. It feels like it is that step, and we got now he's got to prove himself. So, yeah. like, I don't even say that to say that like, and he's not he's going to struggle or he's going to be bad. It's just I don't quite have that level of confidence that it seems you do. And I get it because we haven't had this before. Yeah. We haven't had a guy who like mm-hmm. we expect to do well in the Premier League. It's more like we cross our fingers and hope they do well in the Premier League. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So. It's it's a huge thing to watch next yep. season. I'll be watching Chelsea games in a way that I was not that interested in watching Chelsea games previously. Agreed. Yeah. Ooh, okay, thank you to James for the question. You got anything else to add before we no, move on? that's it. Um, okay, if you want to uh, ask us a question, it's totalsoccershow.com slash questions. When we get back to our regular five days a week schedule, there'll be a lot more um, of us answering listener questions. There sure will, because we've got <laughs> a lot to answer. Uh, and we've also got some other uh, advertisers to talk about. We sure uh, do. Today, we've got to talk about Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, so Dollar Shave Club, the big thing is the quality of the products, which we can attest to mm-hmm. because we have used them. I literally use them every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which which one did you use today? Can you guess the prep scrub? I'm yes. guessing <laughs> always with the. But prep you didn't scrub. shave. I know, but I still just put it in. You just put it in. I put it in just to, to prepare. You, you don't want your skin to get soft. You want it to know that you're always might be shaving. I want to exfoliate. Okay. So I use the prep scrub to because it's got those mm-hmm. bits in it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Those the bits in it, yeah. gritty bits. That, um, <laughs> you use those to exfoliate. That's actually what it says on the ingredients gritty label. Bits, yeah. yeah, gritty bits. And then you don't get like ingrown hairs and stuff like that because it gets rid of all the dead skin cells. I forgot that there's That's a mascot. How it works. Forgot that there's a mascot named Gritty, and now I'm concerned about what gritty <laughs> bits could actually be. But yes, I take your point because I use the uh, the exfoliating slash prep prep scrub. Yeah. Cream? Whew, that was tough. Uh, yes, I use it for the exact same reason as well. I used it to shave as well, including the razors that, that they sent us. Mm. Because that razor, it's a good reminder that when you go from like a slightly older like razor blade to a brand new one, man, that thing's sharp. <laughs> In a good way. In a good way. Sharp but safe? Yes, sharp yeah. but safe. No nicks. We're good. <laughs> that should be the Dollar Shave Club logo. Yeah. Sharp but safe. <laughs> but like, like we said, it's not just about shaving. No. Right? Dollar Shave Club does all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do shampoo. I actually used the shampoo this morning. All right, so there's two two. Dollar Shave Club products that I used shampoo with a bit of sage and black pepper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yep. Sounds like you're making a, a, a tasty dish, but you're actually washing your hair. <laughs> you are. <laughs> um, and they have, as Daryl's alluded to, they have everything you need to shower, shave, style your hair, brush your teeth, and yes, even take care of yourself down there because they've got the one wipe Charlie's. All right. Mm-hmm. I will make sure to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club products mm-hmm. to the test. You can see if we're telling the truth. I promise that we are. Their ultimate starter sets have everything you need for an amazing shower, shave, or clean teeth, as Taylor said. And the best part is you can try each one for just five of your American dollars. Five of your American dollars. Yeah. Don't spend Canadian dollars. Five <laughs> of your American dollars. Don't after, do that. After that, the restock box ships regular-sized products at regular American dollar prices. 
So get your ultimate starter set for just $5 at dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash TSS. The link will be in the show notes. It will indeed. Thank you very much to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring today's episode. One more thing to get to, my friend. It's one that we we haven't been able to get to in a while, but now we can. More than a month? I want to say it's been more than a month. It's been a while. It's been a while. We got to it a couple times in the World Cup, I think, but not nearly as many as we could have or maybe should have because we've got a lot of scouting reports. Yep. to get to today. And it's good stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. preseason's happening. There's a lot of young Americans getting some games yep. for various clubs mm-hmm. in preseason. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I just want to add, like, so we still have uh, many reports to get to, but this is our our attempt to kind of knock some of that number down a little <laughs> bit. Uh, and I would say that these scouting reports are sort of in two categories. One is young Americans and then players have moved. Basically, okay. it's about where we are. What are we doing today? Uh, we're starting with, I mean, that's what I'm saying, the scouting reports that we've got I in front see, of us see, are those I two see, things. See. Uh, but we're going to start with Nick Imhoff scouting Emmanuel Sabi, the 21-year-old American forward for Holbro. Uh, Sabi scored and was named man of the match in Holbro's season opener in mid-July. He calmly one-timed across into the far bottom corner. Uh, he could still be on the move this window with rumors of Galatasaray's interest swirling. That would be a big move. Uh, Ooh, Brandon, certainly would. Brandon Massa is scouting Marlon Fossey. Remember him? 20-year-old American right back for Fulham. Fossey took the last few months of the past season getting back to full swing following major left knee surgery in the fall, says Brendan. More interestingly, on a recent fun pad, excuse me, fan podcast called Fulhamish, I like that title, um, Fulham's director of football operations, Tony Khan, said the club are expecting to loan out more young players this upcoming season due to League One and League Two adding up to player tracking. That's an interesting reason. Um, Khan cited the previous lack of such data as a major reason Fulham players were retained to play in youth squads. He mentioned this tidbit when specifically asked about Marlon Fuss and fellow American Luca Della Torre. Is this good news or bad news? Uh, I'm going to say it's okay news for Marlon Fossey, less so for Luca Della Torre. Yeah, because he was one we were ex- expecting to maybe just straight up play in the first team. Yeah, would have been that would have been nice. Yeah. That would have been nice. I, I do find myself forgetting that Fulham are not in the Premier League anymore, yeah. which just to say that like... Did you see some of their games last year? They yeah. did not belong in the But more so when I see League One, I was like, wow, they're going to drop them down two levels. And then I'm like, oh, well, they're in the championship, so that makes yeah. a bit more sense. But still, I would have hoped for a bit more. Uh, but... I guess you could say the exact same thing about James Jones's scoutee, Andrew Carlton. Uh, the 19-year-old American attacker for Atlanta United. He's 19 now? I believe so. I remember when he was 16 and full of promise. Hey. Uh, after forgetting his passport uh, for a trip to Toronto, uh, which then left, I think, Toronto, or Atlanta one player short for that mm. game, Carlton has made only one appearance for either Atlanta or Atlanta United 2, which was starting in an 8-1 to loss to the New York Red Bulls 2 in the USL Championship. Oh, Andrew Carlton, please, please, please get it back on track. Alan Bedford is scouting Jonathan Lewis, the 22-year-old American midfielder for the Colorado Rapids. I keep forgetting he's moved. Alan says, Jonathan Lewis didn't make much of a splash at the Gold Coast. Cup. That's right. It didn't, yeah, we didn't see much of him. But he managed to celebrate his return to the Rapids. In the 28th minute against Portland, Lewis settled a failed clearance by uh, Julio Cassante and blasted the ball into the far post for the Rapids' first goal in what turned out to be a 2-2 draw. I'm guessing not straight into the post. <laughs> I, would, I would guess that. <laughs> That's a f- Inside the far post, I'm going to say. Uh, Colin Bish <laughs> scouting Eric Williamson, the 21-year-old American midfielder for the Portland Timbers. Williamson got his first MLS start for Portland in their 2-1 defeat to Montreal, and by all accounts was... Okay. Uh, the Timbers are going through a rough, uh, through a stretch of four games in 11 days. Again, this was a couple of weeks ago, uh, which is why they brought out the youth. All right. More youth, more Williamson. Richie Garcia is scouting Emerson Hindman, the now 23-year-old American midfielder on loan at Atlanta United from 
AFC Bournemouth. Okay, I'm hoping this is going well. Um, Ridgie says, Hyman has made three appearances for Atlanta since he was loaned to the team for the remainder of the 2019 season. He got an assist in his first start, 2-0 win in the Open Cup against St. Louis, and got two MLS assists in Atlanta's 5-0 route of Houston. The loan comes with an option to purchase and required Atlanta to give FC Dallas $200,000 in general allocation money and an international roster spot to get Hyman's discovery right. So based on that, it seems like he's made... A positive start. Yes. I was Finally, excited. Emerson Hyman's career can begin. Yay! That's what we've been waiting for, right? He's only 23. Yeah. It's uh, like he just went... So instead of uh, going to college, mm-hmm. it's like he went to Europe. Yeah. He did He did multiple semesters in Bournemouth. Yes. In Fulham. <laughs> That's a way to look at it. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Brian Hoysa scouting Sergino Dest, the 18-year-old American defender for oh, Ajax. Excitement abounds. Sergino has played in all four of Ajax's preseason friendly so far. He started left back against uh, Istanbul Bashak Shahir and did the same in a 2-1 to one friendly win over Watford. He continues to impress with his slick dribbling and contributions in the attack, though he was at fault for a penalty. No one's perfect. No one's perfect. Manager Eric Ten Hag hinted at uh, Dest's first-team future, saying, quote, if you can do this against a Premier League club and the number two team in Turkey, then you can do it in the league as well. Of course, he still makes mistakes, but he also does a lot of good, end quote. Yeah, brilliant. Luckily, um, he did not add, and the Dutch should cap him. <laughs> I did. I looked into this, and uh, Talia Fico, the Argentina mm-hmm. left-back, is their usual left-back, yep. right? And the reason that Desti's getting all these starts at left-back in preseason is, again, Talia Fico at Copa America, so now he's on vacation, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know when the Dutch season starts, I'm optimistic that maybe Desch gets to start the season yeah. because Talia Fico is late coming back. I would just hope it's not a Timothy Weah situation in which he like gets two games and we're like, okay, maybe he's going to be in there and then yeah. we don't see him until January when he's low. But even if he's the second choice left back, mm-hmm. that means you're probably in and around the squad and you'll get some games at some point, right? And that then makes sense. Over at right back, he might get some games as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next scouting report is from Ryan LaRose, scouting Rafael Camacho, the 19-year-old Portuguese attacking midfielder for dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Ryan says, Rafael Camacho was sold from Liverpool to Sporting Club de Portugal. Well done, Ryan. Well done, Ryan. For a fee of £5 million with a 20% sell-on clause and a buyback option for Liverpool. Thus proving that some players would rather risk being attacked by fans after practice rather than play backup right back for a Champions League winning team. <laughs> no better to stare from Ryan, uh, who also asked if we had any ideas how to quickly learn Portuguese. <laughs> um... Work really hard. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Expert <laughs> advice. Uh, Kirsten Moladinha, scouting Brie Lembolo, the 22-year-old Swiss forward for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Schalke have sold Brie Lembolo to Borussia Mönchengladbach for a base fee of 10 million euros, All says right. Kirsten. Is that Kirsten's like, judgment on the fee that it was base? <laughs> I mean, I think maybe with like there were probably <laughs> yeah, options in there yeah, and yeah. incentives and all that good stuff. <laughs> Alex Bush is scouting Aaron Juan Visaka. Mm-hmm. Taylor's excited about this probably. 21-year-old English right-back for Manchester United Football Club. Alex says, Juan Visaka moved from Palace to Man United on a five-year deal for around £50 million, which is like the going rate for a good fullback. It feels right? that way now. Um, making him one of the most expensive defenders in the world. He should bring much-needed stability to the position. I would say he'd bring some much-needed excitement to the position for United. And if he can develop into a threat going forward, I'd say he already is, then that 50 million should feel like a bargain. It should. We shall see. Yeah. Cautiously. I'm excited to watch Bissaka play for Man United because he'll go marauding forward and get involved in the attack in a way that the... uh, the makeshift right backs United have been filled in do, do not do so. Much. Who were attackers? That's troubling. Yeah, right. But they <laughs> it's were Ashley Young and Antonio Valencia. But they're attackers who kind of like 
getting towards the end of their career, so they're being yeah. a bit more conservative and staying back, right? Yeah, right. yeah. yeah right. Everyone right. gets more conservative as they get older, apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, Patrick Keeler scouting Anthony Robinson, the 21-year-old American defender for Wigan. Uh, Anthony was brought by Wigan, uh, bought by Wigan, excuse me, uh, from Everton, I guess then brought to Wigan, uh, for <laughs> £2 million. He signed a three-year deal and is expected to start at left-back oh, for right. Wigan She's, this season. I think good for Anthony Robinson mm-hmm. to just like have a definite home yep. and really make a name for himself at Wigan. Yes, sir. David uh, Novoshevsky mm. is scouting Sebastian Schumanski. Well done. And um, the 20-year-old, well, David did give us a, a pronunciation. There is that. Um, the 20-year-old Polish midfielder for Dynamo Moscow. Mm-hmm. Um, Sebastian had an eventful summer with a transfer to Dynamo Moscow and participation in the U21 European Championships. Uh, Szymanski was a crucial part of the attack for the Poles, who looked until the last day to be the spoilers after besting both Belgium and host Italy in the group stage. Poland eventually fell to the eventual champion, Spain, and did not make it out of the group. Szymanski had a nice goal against Belgium and also scored a tapping goal in his first preseason appearance for Moscow against FC Slovan, all the while wearing number 11 shorts with a number 15 jersey. Preseason, folks. It's Mix preseason. And Mix and match. <laughs> <laughs> this is grabbing out of a bin. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. Thank you to everybody for the scouting reports, including the ones that we haven't read yet, but will very soon in the future. Indeed. If you'd like to join the scouting network and support the Total Soccer Show, go to the URL, totalsoccershow.com slash join. If you've already joined, haven't received a player and you want one, email me, Daryl, D-A-O-A-L, at totalsoccershow.com. And if you haven't gone and subscribed to Soccer 101 yet, what are you waiting for? Click the link in the show notes, subscribe to Soccer 101, our other, our new, our shiny new show. Indeed. You should do that. And then, in fact, you know, we'll wait until people do that. We're going to wait right here. Okay, I'm glad you've done it. I hope you did it really, really quickly, or you could have just hit pause and gone and done it. That would have been fine, too. <laughs> Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me and Aaron West today. Right back at you, buddy. Sort of. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening. And we will probably talk to you again next week from Orlando. Orlando.